right. Hi, guys. Hi. We're back. Merry Christmas. Yeah. it's It's been so Christmassy here at Talk Crooked. So much Christmas. Totally on purpose. All the Christmas. Yeah. So many Christmases. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, welcome to your Friday after Christmas. Um, this is Crooked. You're listening to Crooked News. Sorry, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm really drunk. Uh, <laughs> you're listening to Crooked News, where we bring you crazy news, hilarious history, and the occasional listener story. Guys, send, to send us in. Send us Christmas stories. Yeah. Oh, we, we need to. Christmas yeah. Stories. Tell us how your Christmas was. Yes. Bring us New Year's stories about how you threw up everywhere. Yeah. Um. Okay. So. <laughs> Uh, we're in the middle of a two-part, a two-parter right mm-hmm. now because of Christmas. Um, so if you are just now turning tuning in, definitely stop this right now. Go back and listen to last Friday's episode so that you can be all caught, caught up. up. Yeah. Yes, because this is definitely part two, and we are not going back and refreshing. Yeah, no, so, we are going through some awesome stories right now, uh, and some awesome stuff about Charles Dickens. Yay! So awesome survivor stories and awesome Charles Dickens stories. And it is yeah. Christmassy and delightful. And you will cry. You will laugh. You'll be moved. Yeah. It's just amazing. So go ahead. Take it away, oh, Miss Lady. Yay. All right. <laughs> so this is number three. And like I said last week, I'm not reading the titles anymore because they give it away. Yay. Okay. Um, in December 1950. You still there? 1950. Yes. You froze too. <sighs> There you are. There. Okay. Are you back? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a couple of seconds. I yeah. think we're good. Yeah, it's fine. We have okay. a little bit of a lag because we're still recording remotely. Yes, um, but it's okay. Yeah, it'll be fine. You'll you'll still love it. So yeah. <laughs> you won't be able to tell. Yeah. No. <laughs> because I'm a master. Yeah, she's the best. Um, in December 1950, after the start of the Korean War, thousands of North Koreans were gathering at the Hung the Hungnam Docks, hoping for one of the Allied ships t- there to get them somewhere less massacre-y. Unfortunately... <laughs> massacre Yeah. <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, by the time they got there, there weren't many ships left, and it didn't seem realistically possible to rescue everyone. Thankfully, the SS Meredith Victory, a small ship stationed in Hungnam, was captained by Leonard LaRue, a firm believer... I'm sorry. <laughs> Hungnam? Hungnam. It's in Korea. Oh, okay. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Now I'm an asshole. <laughs> I was just like, what? What? I literally was like, what will these Brits think of next? Okay. <laughs> it's another language. Yeah. We're fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. That sounded super racist. <laughs> oh, God. You can cut God. it. Okay. I'm not gonna. <laughs> you said I'm not gonna. No. Um, <laughs> she didn't mean to be racist. I wasn't being racist. No. no, no. I mean, when you read enough British history and you find places called the Tin Lizzie and Peniston, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. You're just like the fuck. Okay, <laughs> what I, is Britain doing? Hundred percent miss that we were in Korea. I'm yeah. so sorry. It's okay. Continue. It's okay. Um, I love Korean food, by the way. Oh my god, I have not had it, and I want it's it. So fucking and amazing. I'm falling in love with the k-pop boy band and it's a oh problem lord above um so there's, <laughs> oh there's lord a, above there's there- a Viet. There, this i know that vietnam is not korea but there mm-hmm. is a vietnamese place in bowling green that's mm-hmm. next to griff's okay 
by the way. It's yes. uh, right next to the uh, liquor store over there in that strip. And yeah. it is fucking unbelievable. I need to go there sometime. You do because it's just soup pretty much. Their soup is the best. And it's so warm and you can put a bunch of spices in there and you mm-hmm. can like customize it. And it's just absolutely delicious and you would absolutely love it. That's Especially awesome. feeling the way that you're feeling right now. Like mm-hmm. you need to go get you a big old bowl of soup. Yeah. Carrie can chicken see me right does. now. I have no yeah. color. Yeah. You are super pale and yeah. dark circled and you look like a Tim Burton character. But like you need to go get <laughs> you some chicken soup. I do look real. like a Tim Burton character. It's Chicken so soup has magic properties. There's also it a does. great wall very close to you that has the best chicken soup on the face of the planet and you can get a quart of it for like six bucks Mm -hmm. and put fried wontons in it and it's absolutely delicious with big old fluffy rice noodles and chicken pieces in it and it's so good Kay. yeah you need to get that yeah get that tomorrow actually i think they're open late but uh get that for yourself Uh, tomorrow yeah they close at 10 i love great oh okay i love great wall so much seriously get you a big old quart of the chicken noodle soup tomorrow i shall you will you will thank me i promise i've got to work a long ass shift tomorrow so get you a big old cup of it get a get you a big old thing of it tomorrow before you go into work Mm -hmm. because it will it will absolutely make you feel better i get it every time i get sick like that yeah even far away, I go get it. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm going to have to. I just got paid yesterday. I have the money to do it, so I will get go. You a s- yes, get it. It's so good. Okay, sorry. Continue your story. It's okay. That soup has been haunting me. It's so delicious. Are you okay? Yeah. I, I got a little nauseous for a second there. It's fine. Please don't throw up on your mic. I, I will try not to. <laughs> I'll hold it like this. <laughs> no, put your face up next to it and okay. just don't throw up on it. Okay. <laughs> um, Control yourself. Okay, so thankfully, the SS Meredith Victory, a small ship stationed in Hungnam, was captained yes. by Leonard LaRue, a firm believer that one shouldn't concern himself with silly things like reality where human <laughs> life is at stake. <laughs> I am Leonard LaRue in every story that a character dies and I'm not cool with it. Our entire fucking government. <laughs> Let's not concern ourselves with the reality yeah. when someone dies. <laughs> or when a massive outbreak of shooting happens in our schools. Yes. That means you should carry a... Oh my god. That means you should just not be able to carry a gun that can fire more than 10 rounds, right? Not that we should do background checks on people. Yeah. To purchase the gun. That's not the issue. (laughs) It's that there's too many rounds in the gun. You can kill 10 people instead of eight. Yeah. Without having to reload. What the fuck? Fucking hate Kentucky. Okay, continue. (laughs) Um, Despite the fact that the Meredith victory was designed to hold 60 people at most, LaRue ordered all 14,000 thousand north korean refugees to get on his damn boat which was sort of like stuffing 200 people into one coffin oh fuck oh no all the refugees did manage to get on board but they were packed so tightly in the cargo holds and on the ship's deck that they couldn't even sit down oh there were also no sanitation facilities or heat available on the ship and that's how the floating sardine can was forced to navigate the mine infested korean waters floating sardine can (laughs) Oh, no. All those poor people. I don't think heat was a problem. No. Have you ever played sardines? 
Yes. It's so fun. I need to play it again soon. I love it. Um, oh, it's so fun. We played it when I was studying. I'm going to sound super snooty when I say this. We played this when I was studying abroad at Harlixton. Oh. Um, in England, where uh, where I met my friend Kelly, and uh, that we were basically living in a giant ass mansion that's been converted into a school facility. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the original integrity of the mansion is still kept intact, and so there were a ton of like secret passageways because it used to be like for servants and stuff, Aww. and like just tons of like big rooms filled with statues and shit like that. And we played a fuck ton of sardines in the first couple of days we were there. That's it awesome. was so much fun. I love because sardines. the closet that you hide in for that shit is like big enough for like 20 people. Like, oh, it was that's so awesome. Much fun. <laughs> I've played the ultimate sardines. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm it jealous. Awesome. It was so fun. So, um, that's how the floating sardine can was forced to navigate the mine-infested <laughs> Korean waters without proper bomb-detecting equipment. Shit. The only weapon on the ship was Captain LaRue's service pistol. Mercifully, oh he didn't need it because after two grueling days at sea, the 14,000 refugees finally reached safe haven on Geoge Geoge Island on Christmas Day. on christmas day on christmas day (laughs) the most remarkable thing about the story wasn't that none of the passengers died in the bowels of the cold dark ship but that they actually ended up with more people than they started with that's right oh man five women actually gave birth on the ship before reaching this island which makes you wonder why no one wonder why has no one made a fucking movie about this yet that has to be made a movie of yeah someone has to make a movie of this oh yeah could Absolutely. You, could you imagine? This is insane. Yeah. In in the uh, in those kind of conditions? Yeah. Oh my god. That's I, crazy. I actually, That's so crazy. I love fucking Captain Leonard LaRue. He's yes. the best. Leonard, best captain for the win. Yeah. Hello Captain Leonard. <laughs> oh my god. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I can't Oh my god, those poor women. They but are isn't champions. That awesome. Yes, they are champions. Yeah. That's beautiful. I'm so glad Me too. that something beautiful came out of it and that they were able to actually survive. That's yeah. that's amazing. That's so amazing. I'm surprised it didn't fucking capsize cuz it was only oh, made to hold sure. 60 people. That is for sure a miracle. That's incredible. So High this High five. Yeah, this is number 2. And it also takes place in Colorado. And Knoxville, Tennessee. So in April 2006 in Aurora, Colorado, a woman named Vonda Lundstrom suffered the most heartbreaking situation not involving a wood chipper that any dog lover could endure. What in the fuck? That is a dumb. That's the weirdest sentence you've ever. We've anyone has ever said. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not loving it. Um, her pet rat terrier, Daisy, ran away from home and didn't come back for months. During and that time... why is the wood chipper involved? Uh, it said... It, she That's suffered, a terrible image to put in someone's head. It is. I don't know why we put Babies. that there. Um, no. Oh, no. Uh, That's awful. Yeah. Fuck this person. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Sorry, Daisy ran away from home and didn't come back for months. Oh, baby. During that time, Lundstrom searched high and low for the lost pup, but found no traits of her. Finally, she was forced to accept that Daisy probably was never coming back. Oh. 
But seven months later, Vonda got Colo- a- Colorado. Sorry, Colorado is such a dog-based state. Yeah. Too. Like, if I was going to move anywhere, I would totally move to Colorado because, like, tons of people bring their dogs to work and, like, Aww. it's just such a dog-friendly. It's a dog-friendly state. That's it's awesome. just really cool. Yeah. Everyone's just like, nope, sorry, my dog's coming to the office. <laughs> you can fuck off. Oh, my dog's coming in your store. Like, it's just really cool. Yeah. And everyone trains their dog pretty. I mean, the people that I've ex- encountered, at least when I've gone to Colorado, everyone's mm-hmm. dog is pretty trained, like really well trained. And that's awesome. Like, yeah. It's just it's a cool state. Yeah. Um, But seven months later, Vonda got a call from a woman in Knoxville, Tennessee, who claimed that she found a stray dog wandering down the street in front of her house, which just happened to be a female rat terrier. She got Lundstrom's contact info after calling the number on the ra- dog rabies's tag or the dog's rabies tag and getting the dog's vet in Colorado, which confirmed that she did indeed find Daisy. And of course, she found the dog on Christmas. I'm gonna cry. It's so good. <laughs> oh, here's why this story points to Daisy actually being the canine Jesus. Other than her being found on Christmas, there's this whole business of Knoxville being located 1,300 miles away from Aurora. That's more than one-third the length of the continental United States, across numerous states full of wild animals, deranged hill folk, and swarms of drugged-out meth heads, and that's just in Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) I'm crying. I know. Um. Oh, Daisy. But but now she has two terriers. She's got Elsie and Daisy. Oh, poor baby girl. I know, poor baby. But she got back. She did. Oh God. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Sorry, my dog is a rescue. Who's a runaway? And. Oh, God, if I ever lost him. Oh, God, I would lose my ever loving mind. He is a hundred. He is my son. Like, I would absolutely lose him. Like, lose it. Sorry, not lose him. Lose it. (laughs) Uh, Oh, goodness gracious. Animals are just the best. This is like that fucking Budweiser commercial with the puppy who gets lost and then the horses help him find his way home it's so sad (laughs) it's so happy because he finds his daddy oh it's so awful okay that was a beautiful story this next one isn't gonna make you ugly cry (laughs) okay it's kind of (laughs) funny i'm so upset (laughs) Uh, so that was such a homeward bound story I fucking hate that movie. (laughs) (laughs) It was the week before Christmas in 2008, and Canada was undergoing... On Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. Sorry. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Uh, Canada was undergoing a massive apocalyptic snowstorm. The weather conditions... Of course they were. It's Canada. It's fucking Canada, yeah. The weather conditions, unfortunately, created... That's a snow out here, eh? (laughs) (laughs) That's what she thought. Uh, I said, that's what she thought. That's what she thought. (laughs) That's what she thought about it. Yeah. Um, What do you say? (laughs) You want a donut? How are you now? 
<laughs> no, she wanted cookies. <laughs> the The weather conditions unfortunately created a complex dilemma for Donna Molnar, a 55-year-old housewife from Ontario, Canada, who really wanted to bake cookies that day. At least, oh, did she? <laughs> at least we assume it was cookies, which are the only reason a sane person would ever venture outside during Snowpocalypse 2008 oh, to buy baking supplies like Miss Molnar did. Oh, no. I would totally do that. <laughs> I would totally do that. Yeah. Get all fat and sassy. Yep. <laughs> that, I totally would. <laughs> that was the last her family saw her for the next three days. What the fuck? Oh, my God. <laughs> After police were notified that she did not return home from her shopping trip, her, oh abandon- her abandoned car was found in a rural parking lot. Suddenly, the search for the missing woman was on, and even if the raging snowstorm made it a virtual certainty that she was dead and buried under a heap of snow. Miraculously, though, it turned out that everyone had it only half right because a dog named Ace did eventually find the missing woman buried under oh! nearly three feet of snow in a field. Because he's a good boy. He, he is. He's the best boy. He's so good. <laughs> the twist here is that she was still totally alive and conscious despite oh her body god! temperature having fallen to 86 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh my god. That poor woman. That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. She was fully conscious for the whole time. Oh yeah. She was immediately taken to the hospital and treated for hypothermia and frostbite, eventually pulling through on Christmas Eve. That magic time when death waves his hand and goes, oh, get out of here, you knucklehead. I'll come get you next time. Oh, my God. Uh, Donna. Okay, so I could not imagine being conscious for that entire time. Oh, no. That's That's stupid. And you can't move. No. You can't move when your body temperature is that low. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh, that's fucked up. Good boy, Ace. Yeah. Way to be a good boy. That's yes. awesome. Um, Donna, she was just sitting there, lay, like, literally, she was just laying there being like, I really hope somebody fucking finds me because if not, I'm going to die. Well, oh my God, that's terrifying. Well, she actually got really lucky. Um, she, she did. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. otherwise, you're sitting there say, just being like, okay, it's been like two days. Yeah. And I have shit myself. <laughs> like, I'm going to need somebody to fucking <laughs> find me right now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh my she, god, that's she, so scary. She later explained that she collapsed while trying to get help after a snowplow blocked her car. But as luck would have it, the falling snow created a protective, heat-retaining cocoon around the woman, who concluded this potentially tragic episode in the most Canadian way possible by apologizing to everyone for almost freezing to death. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Sorry. Sorry that's about me. it. Sorry. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. But that is true. I didn't think about that because that's in Call of the Wild. Sorry. Another shameless plug uh, for Call of the Wild. <laughs> um, we're not paid for that at all. That's yeah. just one of my favorite books and it's getting made into a movie with Karis and Ford in it. But that is <laughs> definitely, I remember, it's written from the dog's perspective. Yeah. And that's definitely a thing that's talked about in the book is that he like digs a little burrow in the snow and then curls up in it and that's actually like warmer. That's Aww. why igloos are made of snow. Yeah. I mean, snow is insulative, mm-hmm. you know, so... That makes sense, actually. Yeah. That's crazy. Right? Oh, what a good boy. Yeah. What a good boy, though. Because she, who knows how much time she had left. That's oh, so yeah. sad. Oh, yeah. Probably not much. But, yeah. That's such a miracle. And I bet her cookies were to fucking die for. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> but, um, good sh- job. Thanks. And those were that my was, stories. That was awesome. Thanks. I loved oh, them. He's such a good boy. Okay. 
Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Are you ready for part two? Are you okay? For real? Yeah, my head's just hurting. It's been hurting on and off for like the past two days. You had some ibuprofen? Yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't want to take some right now because I also have had like wine and stuff tonight. So I'm just trying to... <coughs> You're a better woman than me. <laughs> I take that shit and swallow it with wine. <laughs> Four pills, girl. Mm-hmm. Why can't I have kids? It's so weird. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, so you guys ready for part two? Yes, I'm ready. Of, of our Dickens Christmas story extravaganza. Okay. I don't, so. Actually, I don't know if I'm ready. That motherfucker's weird. Yeah, he's a weirdo. <laughs> He's a weirdo, but you know what? You'll write anything so that you can continue your success and so that you can continue making money. So yes, I mean I cannot fault him for that. Many people do it every day. So yeah, okay. So the next one is called what the fuck? My internet froze. Hang on. Oh. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Okay. So the next one is called the Battle of Life, a love story. Okay. It came out in 1846. Okay. So, written while on holiday in Switzerland in 1846, Dickens's fourth consecutive Christmas story was The Battle of Life. Okay. By the way, Switzerland is fucking beautiful. Yeah. And if I was to ever go back somewhere just for a pure vacation of just like pure relaxation and it had to be overseas, I would 100% pick Switzerland. Oh, yeah. Because it is gorgeous and they have delicious beer. Ooh. And you just, I I mean, crystal clear lakes that reflect the mountains around them. Like, it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. Really good food, really good beer. If you have to go overseas, like in in one of those games where it's like pick a place to go and vacation overseas, Mm -hmm. that's where I would go. As far as like a tour overseas, I'd for sure go back to England and Scotland. But like, you know, to just go and chill somewhere if you're a rich person and like need some ideas, (laughs) Switzerland, 100% of the time. Okay. Sorry. Switzerland is just one of the most intensely beautiful places I've ever been. So good. Um, okay, so this was written on while he was on holiday in Switzerland in 1846. Um, so it told the story of two sisters, Grace and Marion Jedler, Marion's fiance Alfred, and her apparent lover, a gentleman named Michael Warden. So we have a triangle happening here. <laughs> uh, through a series of machinations and misunderstandings, Marion vanishes from the village, having supposedly abandoned Alfred and eloped with Michael. Oh. And in her absence, Alfred grows closer to and eventually marries her sister. Oh. Grace. Oh, no. <laughs> The years pass by and Marion eventually returns, whereupon the real reason behind her disappearance is revealed. Her, and the her sisters, sister did it. And the sisters are reconciled, mm-hmm. though. So they are reconciled. So here okay. we go. Let's see. I still say the sister did it. Oh, we don't get any more of the plot. Never mind. Oh. Okay. So uh, the Battle of Life was not a critical success. <laughs> okay, but I want to read it. 
I mean, I I'm not surprised. Happened. It doesn't sound great, but I do want to know what happens. Yeah. Uh, the sister, they do make up and everything's fine, it sounds like. But I do want to kind of know what happens. There's a little bit of a thruple situation happening, but not a consensual yeah. one. So it's a triangle for sure. It's definitely a love triangle instead of a thruple. I'm sorry. I misspoke. Uh, so uh, reviewers lambasted. <laughs> it's unrealistic and underdeveloped plot and characters. And bastard is my favorite fucking word. Right? Too much. <laughs> and it has remained among the least admired and least remembered of Dickinson's work. <laughs> yep. Everyone forgot it. Oh, I've got a plot summary. <laughs> I've got a plot we summary. Bar- we barely even have a Oh my god, did you find it? Yeah. Oh my god. Um Hang on, let me finish this and then I'll let you read the plot summary. I have one more sentence. Okay. Okay. Oh, no. Okay. I'm so excited. Your face. Oh, my God. Okay. So, nevertheless, writing on the back of A Christmas Carol and The Cricket on the Hearth, Mm -hmm. the book sold a staggering 23,000 copies on its day of release in 1846. Dickinson's fans, if not the critics, were suitably won over. So, like, the people liked it, but the critics didn't like it. Oh, well, yeah. That's uh, how a lot of movies are nowadays. Yeah. I mean, it's how a lot of things are in general. Critics are kind of mm-hmm. snooty. People like what they like. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Give us the plot summary. Okay. So, it's not long. It, it's just... not too long, right? Okay, no. Cool. No, it's like three short paragraphs. So oh, Jesus. That's a lot of stuff, though. Okay. Tell me what happens. So, I'm excited. Two sisters, Grace and Marion, live happily in an English village with their two servants, Clemency Newcomb and Ben Britton, and their good-natured widower father, Dr. Jedler. Um, Everyone needs a good-natured widower father. Yeah. It's how every Disney movie has ever been. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Marion, the younger sister, is betrothed to Alfred Heathfield, Jedler's ward, who is leaving the village to complete his studies. He entrusts Marion to Grace's care and makes a promise to return to win Marion's hand. Michael Warden, a libertine who is about to leave the country, is thought by the barristers, uh, Snitchy and Craggs, to be about to seduce the younger sister into an elopement. Uh, Clemency spies Marion one night in her clandestine rendezvous with Warden. On the day that Alfred is to return, however, it is discovered that Marion has run off. Her supposed elopement causes much grief to both her father and sister. Six years pass. Uh, Clemency is now married to... So, I'm going to pause you here for just a second. Elopement Mm -hmm. was not cool back in the day. Like, that was a ruin to your family. So, this is scandalous. Oh, yeah. If anyone's read or seen Pride and Prejudice, you know what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. This was scandal on your family. Oh, yeah. So, um... Marion comes back after six years and like um, six years. Jeez. Alfred had already married Grace and they had a kid named Marion. Um, so they didn't know where she was. Marion. That's actually really sweet. I understand why this did well. (laughs) (laughs) Marion indeed appears that evening by sunset and explains her disappearance to the parties involved. Turns out that Marion has not eloped, but has instead been living at her Aunt Martha's place so as to allow Alfred to fall in love with Grace. Uh, Tears are shed and happiness and forgiveness reign as the missing sister is reunited with the rest. Warden also returns and, forgiven by Dr. Jedler, marries Marion. So she didn't want to marry that guy and she wanted him to 
But he, like, she liked him, but she didn't love him, it sounds like. And her yeah. sister probably liked him. So, oh, mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. I get why that sold a lot of copies and people liked it. Yeah. I, I would totally read that. I'd read it, too. It's only 116 that sounds, pages. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Okay. Next one. You ready? Yeah. And then we're done. Okay. okay. So. The Haunted Man and the Ghost's Bargain. I'm very excited about this. I just like it's the fifth in his Christmas series, so I'm yes. excited to see. And of course, there's ghosts. Yeah, how well, could we not bring back the ghosts? <laughs> All right, so this came out in 1848. So, after a year off from the Christmas market, Dickinson returned in 1848. Sorry, I just read it again. Dickens returned in 1848 with the Haunted Man. A tale that brought him back to the supernatural theme that had proved so successful in A Christmas Carol. (laughs) In the story, a Mr. Redlaw, a reclusive and cynical scientist tormented by the death of his sister, is visited by his own doppelganger late on Christmas Eve night and given the gift of forgetting all the painful memories that have haunted him since his sister's passing. That's interesting. Yeah. The catch, however, is that anyone who comes into contact with Redlaw is also made to forget their memories. <laughs> oh, yikes. <laughs> and as the story... Oh, my God. That's kind of hilarious. <laughs> this is a farce, it sounds like, and probably yeah. unintentionally so. Mm-hmm. Um, and as the story progressive progresses, Redlaw's influence goes on to ruin the lives of all those around him. <laughs> You can find, and of course, it's got a link to a summary here, mm-hmm. but um, so it sounds kind of like he's been given a choice, like here, you can take this and forget all of your painful memories, and he thinks that's the solution, but then it turns into something crazy, because of course, your pain shapes you, which yeah. is a beautiful a beautiful sentiment, so I would love to read it and see if that's actually the sentiment, but that's kind of what I'm gathering from this little summary here. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is also important to remember on the holidays, you know, when we're all kind of wishing that we had this or that or had this kind of family or that kind of situation. Like, yeah. remember that your your past makes you who you are and um, who you are is beautiful. So yeah. just like, you know, remember that. Uh, the Haunted Man sold an impressive 18,000 copies. Not quite as much as the others, but still very impressive. Yeah, that's um, a lot for that time period. Absolutely. Um, on release in December 1848, but the critical reception to the story was mixed. Uh, perhaps as a result, and perhaps in light of his longer novels becoming ever more serious and weighty in their po- political and social commentaries, meaning, okay, so Bleak House came out, Hard Times, and A Tale of Two Cities were all still works in progress at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, Dickens did not revisit the Christmas genre in book form ever again after that. Which I don't blame him for. I don't blame him for because his other shit is like way better. And he's always a social commentator, which is something that we love. We love and is very hard. And it's hard to be, it's hard for people to be receptive of that. And he was able to do it in a very approachable way. So he's a genius and uh, personal life be damned. He has um, absolutely provided us with some incredible material, especially at Christmas and, something that has stood the test of time for hundreds of years at Christmas 
and um, in many other genres. So high five Dickens. We love you. Everybody watch The Man Who Invented Christmas. We are definitely not sponsored by them, but it's one of my favorites this year. And that's what inspired uh, my little segment for the past couple of episodes. Uh, Merry Christmas. We hope you had a lovely one and definitely have a safe and sane New Year's. Do you have anything to add? I don't think so. I'm sorry, guys. I'm very tired and sick. Yeah, let's all pray that Kay feels better. (laughs) And remember, you are not a monster. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Talk Crooked. Music is by Gisla Niebach. Check out our website, talkcrooked.wixsite.com slash podcast for sources and visual aids, as well as resources to get involved. To keep up with our nonsense and stay up to date on all things crooked, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook at Talk Crooked. To keep the shots coming, access ex- exclusive bonus content, get a free poster, and a shout-out on air, head on over to our Patreon. All links can be found on our website. You can listen to us basically anywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you have interesting stories relating to our content, please send them to talkcrooked at gmail.com for a chance to be featured on the show. For business inquiries or sponsorships, please email us at carryandkbusiness at gmail.com. See you next time.